What's going on everybody? We had another live Facebook recap video that we did today. Uh, before, as always, I'm going to jump on here and get a couple of the announcements out of the way. First off, with a Patreon update, the famous Raleigh Williams joins the podcast's Patreon. So thank you very much to Raleigh Williams. Uh, he is a legend. He's been on the podcast two times in the past. He is famous for the average pool player as well as all of the recreated best shots out there from live matches. Uh, he does a lot in the industry and he is doing a lot outside of the industry now as well. And he has jumped on to be a Patreon. So thank you very much to you, Raleigh. And uh, I am going to throw out there, a, I don't know if it's a challenge or whatever, but right now we are averaging about six podcasts a month, something like that, between six and eight. And uh, I wouldn't mind upping that a little bit. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a challenge. If we get to 75 Patreons to the podcast, so basically if we add about 25 po Patreons to the podcast, then I am going to guarantee at that point in time that we take that up to a guaranteed 10 podcasts per month. So it would be more content, it would be uh, more player interviews, because we're still only going to do the one uh, podcast per week as far as the recap. So this is going to be like your favorite players, promoters, stuff like that. We'll add a couple of those while all the way up to guaranteed 10 podcasts per month if we get up to 75 Patreons. So if you have been waiting in the past to become a Patreon and you just haven't had enough of a spark to get over to Patreon and sign up, this might be your, I don't know, catalyst. Uh, if you want more content of the podcast, head over to Patreon. It uh, is uh, Patreon, so P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash queue it up that's patreon forward slash queue it up you can also check the description of this video wherever you're watching it from and it will have the link on there so again one last time if we get 75 patreons to the podcast we are going to do three to four bonus shows per month on addition to what we already do lots more content plus you get to support the podcast which is awesome so we really thank you guys for that uh, so let's move on from that. And I will say that I'm going to be jumping on a plane to go to Vegas for BCA in about 10 days. I'm going to be in Vegas. So if you're going to be out there for BCA or you're going to be out there for the Diamond Las Vegas Open or the World 10 Ball or anything like that, and you want to meet up and grab a couple drinks and uh, just hang out, uh, please look me up. Or if you want some apparel, I'm going to be taking out some apparel. And uh, if you want a t-shirt or a hoodie or a towel please get with me and let me know and i will make sure to bring you one out to vegas with me all right other than that that's pretty much all i got to clear up in the beginning so without further ado here is the live facebook show we did today i'm a real deal i shoot your liver out and hand it to you Or how you're just as good as Chip Compton now. <laughs> right when we go live, he walks away. Yeah. I had my backpack with my tat with my computer and my lights and all that in the car, and I just dogged it completely. <clears throat> so brutal. I'm disappointed. So the guy who, like, literally walks as much as he possibly can on the stream table so everybody can see him, right when we go live, he walks away. That same guy? He may or may not like attention. I'm not. I'm not judging, but he may or may not like. So I'm here. The text is open. Awesome. It, lo it looks like chips, chips on the ropes down the sky. Um, Omar's giving Dennis all he can handle. Well, there's a lot of good men. I'm just. I'm pumped to be here. Are we live right now? Yeah, we're live right now. Well, Tracy just said, "Hey." Tracy's always our number one fan. Oh, wow. She's awesome. <laughs> so uh, show, us the, show us the room, Mike. What does it look like? You're on your phone, right? See if I can. Yeah, but I wonder if I can turn this around. Oh, well, no, I'm just, uh, hold on. There we go. All right, so this is the, I don't know, can y'all see here? So I'm in, literally. 
is the left side room. You got Mayuki Oi playing uh, Jeremy Jones over there. I don't know if y'all can see. Let's uh, John Morris playing Roland Garcia, which John had a battle with Warren yesterday. It's pretty brutal. Back-to-back Filipino Sky. Chipper playing Mika and Chris Reinhold. Let me see if I can keep on going here. Oh, yeah. Give you all the brand, the brand tour. I feel like you're like the, the queuing Omar, up my eye team right now. Dennis, someone's up two to one. <laughs> Omar's at the table, and it looks like he's shooting. So let me see if I can And in the corner, it's uh, South Ross and Warren Kianko. Jeremy Seaman. That's a that's a brutal field, man. Yeah, it's pretty pretty nice, man. Tommy's playing what, uh the total field there, uh, Mike. How many what do you got players, for numbers there? Thirty two players, thousand dollar entry, roughly about fifty thousand in the Calcutta. So it's uh okay. pretty nice, man. It's in yeah. quality wise, probably the best the best Texas open that I've ever been to quality, like just far as a, a deep field you know so um that's pretty nice man i'm, I'm really enjoying I mean, players from all over the world because guys are already starting to get in town for <clears throat> for the gauntlet of events coming up you know uh vegas is right around the corner and all the yeah, while so, demetrius is over here just his uh, mouth is just watering like why am i not there why am i not there hey you know i gotta Got to train for. I'm not good enough to play full time. I got to train. Yeah. So got someone flying in, flying in tonight. We're gonna be training the next three days, so I'll have my fun. But uh, but I'll be like I said. Anybody that's uh, interested in watching uh, watching me, I'll be at the U.S. Open next month, and then I am gonna be playing the uh, Predator Ten Ball uh, in October. So I've got a couple tournaments to play. I'll be there with Josh Burble. We'll both be playing. Nice, man. And then uh, I'll see you guys out there. So, uh, But anyway, uh, for now, Texas Open. Josh is down at the Texas Open, too. He didn't play the one pocket, but uh, he'll be playing the nine ball. So, so uh, good times, man. Are you having a fun? Are you having a bunch of fun? You sweating some matches out there, Mike? Who's your, who's your pick to win it, Mike? I don't think he can hear us. I think his internet's been a little rough. Well, I think you're right. He's freezing up here too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the only thing that kind of just frustrates me from a fan's perspective. Yeah, for sure. I mean, usually I go and I get it in Calcutta. I enjoy the gamble. Well, that's a pretty rough internet connection. We'll get you back in here in just a second, Mike. So, uh, Mark Mark Galil says uh, Shane didn't kill his bar table action. Justin Bergman said he'd play anyone in the world the bar table at Players Club. Um, I I don't. <laughs> I mean, maybe he did. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that, Demetrius? You know. You know. Okay. So. When people make a conditioned offer like that, it's it's obvious. Like anybody that watched what happened with Shane, or even just looked at the results of what happened with Shane and Dennis, uh, it's clear that Shane is, you know, unbeatable on a bar table. So anybody that says they can beat him on their home table, they have to know something we don't know, which is like maybe Justin can break and run out on his home table at an 80% clip because he has the breakdown to where with his template on that table, he gets the same layout and he get you know, he beats, you know, he, he played 50 racks against the nine ball ghost without ball in hand and won 42 of them. He broke and ran 42 out of 50. And now he's like, it doesn't matter who I play because I've got it solved on my table. Like to me, that's what that's saying. It's saying that I've got the game solved on my table to where it doesn't matter who I'm playing. It, that's the only way somebody bets against Shane. And then, so then if you're going to bet on Shane in a match like that, or if Shane were to go play a match like that, it's like, come on. It's, you know, if it, if it's conditioned in that way, you know, without even see, it's like a prop bet. It's like a prop bet. It's like somebody at the bar saying, you know, I'll bet that I can do that. I can jump over these two tables. It's like, 
if the guy's willing to bet on it, you know that he knows something you don't. So even if it sounds ludicrous, he, he, who's going to take that bet? You know, all I'm all I'm saying is if Justin Bergman can figure out something about the break that Shane can't figure out, okay. If that's the case, then I'm just going to stop covering pool because I literally know nothing about this game. <laughs> if Justin Bergman can figure out something about the break that Shane can't, I don't care if he's had a, a 10 year head start to figure it out on that table. To think that Shane can't figure it out, at least up until that match, or 10 games in watching Justin Bergman break from there. Yeah, I think no. you're right, Demi, uh, on, on that uh, perception that you had there. The uh, I was in Southern California for a year uh, when I was younger, and there was a pool hall out in uh, San Diego on, the, on, on one of the beaches out there, and a fellow would come in uh, twice a year, and he would do the same shot, and he would wager whatever he could get in the pool room on that shot. He'd put a coin on the rail, end rail, and then he'd put a hat on the floor. And then he'd put a coin on the ball, top of the ball on the spot. And he'd put a glass of water on the next table over. And he'd have to knock the coin into the cup of water and knock something into the hat. Yes. And yeah. he never missed it. He never missed it. He'd do it. He, he would do it twice when he came in because people would gather around and then more people would want to bet that he couldn't do it again. He'd get, he'd get action. He'd get at least $100 action the first time he did it, but the second time it would be three or 400 because more people would be around. And they would all bet against him. And he would yeah. do it again. And he made, I watched him make the shot. And then he'd leave. He yeah, so cool. He wouldn't talk to anybody. He would just pack up his bags and walk out the door with their money. So these prop bets, this is what I'm talking about, Rob. So with these prop yeah. bets, so so when I when I see guys like, you know, whether it's Fedor or whether it's guys like, you know, Filler, uh, or or even when like Shane and Shaw played on the big table, like when 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 mo there's kind of like I'd almost break it down to like there's two kinds of matchups. You have matchups where players get onto a table and the same table that everybody else competes on and they play the same game with the same rules that everyone else plays. So when, when, you know, Shane played Shaw a year and a half ago playing big table 10 ball, they played big table 10 ball template, nine foot diamond, everything kind of normal. And they just played a race to a hundred. Um, when, when things start getting like, I'll play, but instead of playing the normal game with the normal rules that everybody else plays, I'll play on this table over here with this cue ball, with that, with the bracket this way, or, you know, we're going to play with these, like anytime they start, and it's weird, you think, well, how could a table make them, or, you know, the, and even bar table pool at this level, man, it's, it, it kind of turns it into a prop bet at this level. It's really hard to know what's going on. I mean, I've, I've been way off on my last call with, uh, you know, Shane and, uh, Shane and Sky. You know, it's just, it's so, it's so much of the game comes down to like, who's got the inside information as to how this, break is going to be cracked and and i just i like the matchups where people play the same game that we compete at which is you know like big table nine ball big table 10 ball standard racks yep. let them get in the ring and duke it out so when people start coming out of the, i mean i admire justin's courage to challenge anybody but when people start making conditions where you know where you know that if he played if he played shane big table nine ball um or even a bar table nine ball with normal rules you figure I mean, if Shane could beat Dennis 193, he could beat just at 100 to 150. I'm sorry, 150 to 93. He could beat just at 150 to 80. And so it's like for for Justin to say, "I won't play that game, but I'll play it over here." It's just like, I mean, I love Justin, but come on, man. It's like it's just weird. I just like normal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Justin can say he'll play anybody, and I, I mean, Justin won't travel away from basically St. Louis at this point. Or uh, not, not St. Louis. He's, he's playing out of uh, Illinois. Racks on the rocks now. Um, he won't play. Well, here. I mean, here we go. We, we got Mike back now, so we can. Yeah, I'm sure he wasn't listening. Carol wants, wants you and Tyler Steyer to play, Nate. Yeah, that's bad action. That's a uh, that's tough action. For me. <laughs> that's that's oh, tough action boys. for me. I am I <laughs> tough. Am a little tough. All right. Just so so. So, Mike, I'm going to ask you a question uh, since you weren't here. And you're just going to answer with as few words as possible. Okay. Je Shane and Justin play at Justin's house, race to 150 bar table. What's the score? 
What's the game? The same game Dennis and uh, Dennis and Shane just played. Or yeah, Dennis and Shane. Bar table nine ball. I think he says eight wow. ball, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, no, that's, still... that's Mark's comment. Oh no, he does say eight ball. Bar I, table say... eight ball. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be tough. I mean, I I can't see Justin Albert uh, breaking uh, Dennis, so. I'm gonna have to go with around the same score as where it's at right now, with Shane and yeah. Dennis. You know, roughly. I can't imagine it's close. Bar table the eight ball. That's what yeah. he says. No, here, no, yeah. no, 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 nine ball. I thought. Oh. I thought it was nine ball. I thought it was... Well, no, bar table. Yeah, Mark said uh, bar table. Bar table eight ball. Well, well, then bar table eight ball. The break gets even bigger and bigger and bigger, and there's no little dink break that you can use like you can with a magic rack nine ball. Yeah, I, I, that doesn't make any sense. Then there's something I don't. Yeah. I, and, and I don't even know if Justin said that. To be fair, we're going off a comment, which I, right. I believe you guys in the chat, but I just it's third hand for me. But I, I don't understand. I don't understand what how anybody. Can, I don't think saying? Justin wants any of that. No. Oh, just that uh, Mark. Uh, Mark said that. Uh, Shane didn't kill his bar table action. Justin said he'll play anyone in the world bar table eight ball at Players Club. Yeah, but the caveat is in St. Louis, right? Because Justin doesn't yeah. ever want to travel. Yeah, so, I I don't care. It I don't. Himself. I mean, I'm sorry, but I, I don't I don't care if it's being played in Sardinia. Or I mean, I'd want to watch the it moon. for sure, but oh, I'd love I to mean, watch like, it. I'd, I'd yeah, watch it but, if they played on the moon. Doesn't it doesn't change the fact that I don't think Justin's going to be able to get there. No, I don't. Well, I mean, bar table weight ball. It's a, it's a much more of a crapshoot because it, there's no control yeah. in it, and Shane likes to go and control everything. Um, even, even like whenever he was breaking that nine ball, everything was kind of moving real fast. But I mean, yeah. there was a lot of consistency in that break, you know. Um, but bar table weight ball is a whole other animal. Bergman's cue ball is pretty gross. His pattern play is just, I mean, top tier. But listen, I mean, when you're when you're busting up. Uh, uh, people just coming through and St. Louis amateur players, I mean, how sharp are you really? Because, I mean, what scale are we gauging just on? You know? I mean, I'm sorry. If, if you don't travel, it's kind of – I don't know how we can go and, and have them in that top-tier kind of category if you're just staying at home all the time. You know? I, yeah, Maybe I a great player, but you got to play against against top talent. I agree. You know? I still don't think I, I don't I don't care what the rules are I don't care where the the pool room that's being played at I don't I don't think anybody even gets close to getting there with Shane. I mean you you took but you I took Barty no, Wayball though. Oh yeah, Barty Wayballs. Yeah, it's a great game. Bart yeah. eight ball anything is great. I don't care if it's big table or bar table. I just like watching eight ball. It's it's just such a complex game and it's fast paced while being complex. I like it. So uh, yeah, the, the only thing is like Shane just took the number one and number two players in the world as far as you know outside of him. That have a credible, you know, claim at being a bar table player, top bar table player, and if you want to throw Justin in that category, fine, you can throw him in there with Sky and Dennis, but he's certainly not significantly better than Sky or Dennis, and Shane just beat them both by a hundred games combined. Right, he beat Sky by almost forty games. He beat Dennis by almost sixty games. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how. I mean, I was saying it jokingly online about Shane killing his bar table action, and who knows? I mean, maybe Justin will step up to the plate, but I can't think of anyone else. You can't put. Fedor doesn't want any part of playing on the kitty table. Uh, Filler couldn't even get their bar table away ball against Corey, so he he ain't gonna get there against Shane. Um, I, I did see a comment. Of uh, that, the Spanish players play a bit of eight ball. Well. Um, Mr. Nieves was here in Wisconsin at uh, the Jacoby Open a few years ago, and uh, he he played eight ball. And actually, I played him some three cushion on an eight bar uh, on a bar box. <laughs> and who'd you, uh, who'd you say, Rob? I didn't hear what you said. Nieves, you say? his last name is Nieves. Oh. Uh, this is just the beauty of of like Shane and his timing, though. Like. Shane looks like he's got the biggest break in the world, and like, but like being built wise, he's not a, a huge guy. I mean, everyone has ever seen him before. <laughs> Hundred breaks, like he his doesn't timing, go dry. His, I mean, that's, his timing that's is just deal. so pure. That's yeah, gross. You know? the best. I mean, it's it's, yeah. um, it's unbelievable. So, uh, I guess let's jump into Dennis and Shane. We 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 got a good talk about the bar tables. Um, 
Final score, 150 to 93. I got the stats up right here. I guess before we even jump into this, let me just give a, a huge, huge shout out to Digital Pool. At this point in time, like as far as the legacy of the game and actually like growing the game in the, into the future, who is doing more for pool right now than Digital Pool? Like you can, anybody. I mean, the stats that they're putting together for these matches, this stuff is just taken for granted in football and basketball and baseball. And I mean, some of the stats you pull out in baseball, if you listen to these games, are just stupid. Like, oh, the pitcher has his Baseball is all about numbers. Yeah. All about numbers. I, I heard a stat like it's like a, a, a batter hasn't gone for the cycle with an extra home run since 1964. How the hell do you even come up with that stuff, right? Like this is the weirdest things ever. Like the, the stats that they come up with are crazy. And Digital Pool is like basically introducing this – basically it's basically introducing pool and billiards to like the 21st century. If you can't have stats, you can't, it's really hard to come up with narratives if you don't have stats and what they're doing right now. It's amazing. I mean, you can look at that match and if you don't have any stats on it, you just say, all right, well, yeah, Shane definitely outbroke him. But what you can't tell is he outbroke him 293 balls on the break to 154. Now, granted, he got a lot more breaks. So that's, you know, that's going to be something, but, what people don't realize is that that'll help the gambling, like the legitimate gambling lines, a lot by having numbers like that. And if you can go and get, if you can go and get regular people to go and gamble on pool, like they go and gamble on basketball, go and gamble on soccer, go and gamble on tennis, it it's a, a, lot it's of a game changer for pool. Game but changer. I and I can tell you that um, alongside Digital Pool, there's a team of guys that are getting together um, to help with how Fargo rate goes and and as far as the differences in games, um, so like how it'll go in and affect from big table to bar table, from uh, from from one pocket to let's say a rotation. So there's things in the works behind the scenes that that all these numbers are just going to go and help uh, uh, be parallel with each other, and it's just it's phenomenal. Isaac Wooten, I think, is the guy, and there's another gentleman yep. that's along with them, but they're out of the the Dallas area. Great guys doing a lot for for pool. Uh, and yeah, it's it's huge, man. Having numbers like that can really help uh, help with the handicapping side of things. Absolutely, which just helping the long run. I think the biggest thing that uh, you can see from the stats that I see first off is they both scratched seven times on the break. Dennis broke, we'll say ninety three times because he won ninety three games. I don't remember who won the leg. <clears throat> we'll just say that you know somebody broke ninety three times and Shane broke one hundred and fifty times. So. Shane, or Dennis had basically 60% of the breaks that Shane did and scratched the same amount of times. I mean, I think that's a pretty good, you know, and, and, and if you really think about it, seven out of 150 is kind of gross with how they were, with how they were doing it. Cause I mean, they're kind of just throwing the cue ball. They're cutting the break, kind of throwing the cue ball back through the stack. It's not hard to like go two times across and scratch into the left middle pocket or just get kicked into the right middle pocket or kick straight up table. It's kind of crazy to think he only scratched seven times. I mean, Dennis, seven out of 93. That makes a little bit more sense to me. But um, I guess the final score, 150 to 93. Uh, Demetrius, anything you take away that you think was, you know, a surprise? Uh, I mean, it's just – I think it's just a surprise how how decisive it was that, you know, Shane won each day by that much of a margin. And it was one of those things where it was just kind of one-sided, you know, where you're watching it and it was almost like – halfway into the first day or not, you know, even earlier, it was just kind of like you start watching it and they've got this three day event and you're like two hours in and you're like, Oh, okay. He got him, <laughs> you know, like, all right, he's in a trap. And it's just like, now it's just watching it play out for three days. And it's kind of a, uh, you know, so from a suspense standpoint, you know, I mean, it wasn't the most suspenseful match ever, but I'll tell you as a, even then you have to just step back and watch and uh, appreciate watching. Um, I don't mean an exhibition like, it wasn't a real money match, but at that point, you're just sitting back and watching maybe the greatest you know bar table player that's ever lived put on a complete exhibition of what high level bar table my ball can look like, and you just have to sit back and applaud. You know, <laughs> pay the pay the man his money. He beat me. Yeah. Any thoughts, Rob? Well, it, I think a couple of weeks ago I mentioned that. Uh, Having these caliber of players playing on a bar table, I, I personally not not a real big fan of, and uh, it isn't isn't real exciting to watch. And and these stats tell that. I mean, the match says that. Uh, they just they especially Shane. You know, I mean, he just 
And there's other players, too, who just they eat the bar table up. It doesn't matter what game they're playing. It could be eight ball, nine ball, ten ball, whatever it is, uh, except one pocket. I think that's maybe a little goofy on the bar table. But, uh, yeah, it, 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 it just goes to show, goes to point that that uh, these guys on the bar table, it's, it's like plucking chickens for them. They, they just – it's easy for them. Well, and and I think I would add one one last comment to what I said is I think the big question mark I had coming in was what percentage of the time was Shane going to be able to come up with a shot at the one? You know, playing 10 ball where he could break him square and kind of control the one ball, I kind of know how that break looks like. But if playing the, the nine ball cut break and all that, like if he was um, if he was ever coming up dry or if he was having any trouble controlling the one or the cue ball – uh, and he, if it was just one of those things where he was getting hooked and having to push or jump or move, and if he was inconsistent with coming up with shots, then I, I thought that, you know, that was Dennis's only chance of having it be a fight. Uh, and I guess I was blown away by even though he wasn't able to control everything all the time, he just, you know, I mean, it's nine balls. So if he can make a bar or two, have seven or eight balls left and have everything open and the cue ball somewhere near the middle, he was just you know, and then he can jump well and he can make hard shots even if they are laying awkward. He doesn't need to have the one hanging in the corner for him to be able to come with a shot. So I was really impressed by how effective he was. At, I mean, he almost never broke dry. And then he once. managed to come he up. Yeah, he First time yeah, yeah. he didn't. So and, then he, and then he came up with shots an awful lot of the time and put them all down. So I was really um, – I guess that's what I think I was really looking for was what percentage of the time was he going to come up, you know, make a ball and get a shot at the one and make it. And – he blew me away with how often he was able to do that, given the given the type of break. He broke dry 05 <laughs> percent of the time. Four I'm sure that ha- I'm sure that break haunts him, Nate. I'm sure that one's going to stick with him for a while. Yeah, I, 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 he sent me. A, yeah, he sent me a message saying that he hasn't slept since. Yeah. No, he just feels like he really <laughs> failed. Like he like, wants to try again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's ready to run it back. <laughs> uh, Mike, what uh, what are your thoughts? Oh, I mean, one thing about it is that Shane was under pressure because um, he just lost two times to the guy, you know. So what, how that goes and affects him mentally. Um, and for him to go and step up, and Shane ain't always the easiest when it comes to making games. Um, so that was that was good on his part. But the main thing is that we didn't see Shane go and close a lot uh, in his previous matches, close well. Shane closed. Shane went wire to wire. He jumped out the gate on his throat and never let up. Like that was the most impressive to thing. Seven in the first thirty-four games, yeah. and never, never looked back. I, yeah, and that was the reason why. I mean, I, I had to go and and bet on Shane because it, he's just such a competitor and hates to fucking lose. Sorry, hates to lose and hates to lose <laughs> to Dennis. Like, but like with that kind of passion, though, you know, like he just he hates to lose. And um, he hates the fact that Dennis has gotten the best of him the last two times. Dennis has gotten in his pocket the last few times. So I think that's the reason why we just saw this new level of brutality out there on the table. I mean, he he literally, he beat them uh, daily scores for three days straight. And then the collective was just... And it wasn't close. It wasn't within 10 any days. No, no. I know because I got 10 one day. I I got 10 day two and I still didn't cover. So... I mean, it's just, it's it's unreal. Uh, he's just, you, you, we can't take for granted his greatness. I mean, I don't want to be a victim of the moment. And bar table, you kind of have to take with a grain of salt. But, like, when Shane's motivated, he's capable of this high, high, high gear. You know, you, you know what, though, Mike? I, I kind of feel like the fact that it's a bar table, I, I'm more with Rob where I've just kind of, like, for the for the best players in the world to play in a bar table, it's fine. I'm not saying they shouldn't or they can't or that, you know, it's not interesting in its own way. But to me, look at it this way. Suppose Shane had beaten Dennis twice playing nine ball and on the big table. Suppose Shane had won both those sets. And then Dennis said, well, I'll play you some one pocket. And then Dennis ran him over playing one pocket. You wouldn't be like, well, Dennis proved he's the better player. You'd be like, well, he had to play his own game and kind of switch to a, a, a game that Shane doesn't play as well, a kind of a gaff game. Uh, you know, I love one pocket, but it's just not big table rotation. So in a way, I feel like Shane playing him on a bar table, yeah, it's impressive how well you can play on a bar table. But it's kind of like, what you know, the fact that he doesn't rematch him again on a big table a third time. Uh, to me, it's almost waving the flag. You know, I think he would. Honestly, I think he would. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think it's hard to go and sell from a promoter standpoint, and hard as a fan to go and try to watch for 
a third time. You know, uh, people are already barking to have uh, new blood in the mix. Uh, so those are factors that have to be taken into consideration. But like if it was just them two, you know, and said, hey, go meet me in South Dakota in the basement, <laughs> you know, like I'm sure I'm sure Shane would go and throw a lot of money at, at, at playing them again, you know, for, for a big money that same way. Um, Dennis wants no part of them playing 10 ball. None. Uh, and I remember after they played 10 ball a couple of years ago, Dennis offered them a ball playing one pocket. And Shane wasn't having it. So, but I mean, you can still appreciate each Dennis of their might offer five like, balls in their, and still Shane might not take it because he doesn't care about one pocket. No, yeah, he hates it. He hates it. The only I mean, way I, I feel like the only way the only it. way I feel like he would be playing one pocket is if he literally was showing up for a paycheck and you can't win. That's what. But like, you can still appreciate Dennis's greatness, like in one pocket. You know, just like you can appreciate Shane's greatness in ten ball and Shane's greatness in in uh on on the bar table you know like if Corey were to go and be in a bar table a ball would that would that take away from shane's greatness or shane's legacy or anything like that no it wouldn't it means he won a set you know um and that would just solidify like Corey great in that game and games do matter you know go look at john brumbach when it comes to banking the balls look how great billy is at banking the balls like they're great in those avenues you know just because rotation may be more vogue or, or one pocket may be more vogue, it doesn't take away from that. And and that's what I, I can always appreciate that. From just from an all-around standpoint, you know, like Justin Hall is not the best rotation player, even though he's got a great Moscone record. Um, but, man, can he bank the ball, you know? So um, I don't think one takes away from the other. I just want to I want to celebrate these guys, you know, yeah. and, and what they're able to go and do on the table. Yeah, yeah great, I, I agree. Great, but but that was part of the reason why it was kind of brutal to watch Dennis just get smoked like that. Like, just get well, that, the Well, that's actually what I want to like, talk I about. Think so. Yeah. That, yeah, that's my highlight, actually, of this. Was, this was the only time I've ever seen in my life, this is the first time that I remember watching Dennis give up. And if you watch him on day three, you can tell he's just – he's not even giving any – like, he shoots fast anyways, but he literally is stroking the ball – on his final time before his head is even down on the shot. He is literally sprinting around the pool table, just trying to get it over with. And like, he knew he was going to lose. He, he had to have known he was going to lose. This is the only time I've ever seen that Filipino fight in him give up. I mean, when you know you're in a bad game, you know, yeah. I, I mean, his backers would I mean the one thing about Dennis and we've, we've talked about this before is just how he doesn't go and quit. But like, Listen, when you know you're in a bad game and you ain't getting out of it, like I think everybody on Dennis's side knew that. Everybody who was there knew that. Um, and what can you do? I mean, like it became a breaking contest, and you're not going to be changing that guy. Favor there. <laughs> no. no, no, not at all. You know, but um, yeah, it was it was pretty. I mean, but there's a number. Like I said, there's a number of other games that Dennis would go and play him at without a doubt. You know, but. Shane wants to do what Shane wants to do, and God bless him. He's, you know, he's in a position where he doesn't need to go chase anybody, you know. So uh, while I wish, I'd, because I would love, me personally, I would love to go and see Shane go and play a big one pocket set with one of these big guys. I don't think I'll ever go and be able to see it, you know. Um, but it's because I do think he does a lot of things well, and I think if he's focused and if he's hungry, like he's dangerous, man. He's one of those guys, like he is dangerous in any game. I don't, I don't care what it is. So... Um, I'm just, I'm just glad pulls back and Mike and them, they, they did a phenomenal job, all things considered that guy, Michael Newsom, who owns, uh, the venue, they're doing so much, man, that they, they did that event. They're putting up the money for Tony and Alex, not the 150, but like, you know, they're hosting that event. Um, then they're hosting the diamond event. Uh, and then I think I want to say there was one other one, if I'm not mistaken, but. Yeah, I mean, they're just – that guy's doing so much for pool out there on the East Coast. That's phenomenal. It was just – it's the beginning of what's going to be a great, you know, six weeks of pool. Um, and I'm just – Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm no, excited, the, the next six weeks of pool are – so this is uh, – this, unfortunately, is – if you look at the, the schedule last year when COVID started and this year, now that we're back, uh, this is like the stretch of pool we were going into last year. We had the, the World 10 Ball and the Diamond Las Vegas Open. The Diamond Las Vegas Open miraculously somehow finished uh, with a couple of pullouts. Uh, notably, Niels Fine pulled out of that event. 
and of what the diamond event you did yeah last year for covid no no oh, just oh, last oh. year during covid right oh, but like year. that is the stretch of time that we're coming into so last year when covid hit they got through the diamond las vegas open which is you know next week and then uh the they were about to start the predator 10 ball and that got canceled and then right after that would have been the u.s open so i i mean obviously that was in march last year now it's in august and september but we're we're entering into what i think is the best stretch of pool of the year it's got three massive 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 events right back to back plus we're sprinkling in shane and dennis we're sprinkling in tony and alex uh shane and chang are going to be kind of in that stretch towards the end of it there's some really awesome matches that are coming up, some awesome tournaments, and I can't even like I can't even overlook the Texas Open. The Texas Open is going on right now. There's a lot of really amazing events happening in pool over the next few weeks. It's like the glory time of the year for the events. Yeah. And you can uh, tell because Demetrius is traveling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where are you at, Nate? Is that his that road buddy? Demi and his road buddy, Josh. Yeah. Uh, what'd you say, Mike? Where are you at? Is that a new office? No, it's my same office. I just changed it. So now instead oh, of, angle. yeah, yeah, I changed uh, how my, uh, Tim Clark reached out to me and screamed at me because I'm so unprofessional for pointing my camera at a, <laughs> at, a at a closet. So I, I figured I'd change it up and make him happy. Yeah, got Kelly's picture no more back there, I see. <laughs> yeah, I threw up Kelly's picture. No, yeah, I, it was a good little note to Nate. That it was, was a good suggestion. And it's, uh, oh, yeah, so. The beauty of it, there's just there's a lot of money added to every single event. So oh, yeah. that's also something well, that I can go. <clears throat> I do have some news about another tournament. That yeah, Rob, I Rob to wants to talk today. about three cushion. Come on, Rob. Well, well, I do want to bring it up uh, because it's a pretty big event. It, it's the, be the first event held at the Madison Three Cushion Billiard Parlor. Uh, Bob Keller Classic Open, it's called. And uh, there's $26,750 in the prize fund for 28 players. And those players are going to share in that money out of the 28. So that's, that's almost half the field is going to get a piece of that. And I just wanted to mention some of the players that are going to be in this field in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, Luisa Vega from Ecuador. Xavier Turan, Ricardo Carranco. Pedro Pedra Buena, Mazen Shuni, Frank Torres, Jose De La Torre, Hugo Patino, John Park from Texas. I don't know if you know him, Mike. Uh, Vicky Pineda from California. Uh, Paul Guernsey, who is an established pocket, pocket pool player from Texas, also plays three cushion. He's going to be there. And uh, Brian Half from Illinois. That's, that's a few of the more well-known players that are going to be in this event. And so when it is going to be streamed, they have five billiard tables there. And there is, I don't have the uh, the streaming uh, numbers or anything or how you can get it quite yet. That isn't worked out. But uh, all five tables are going to be streamed for this event. And, and I'm going to be playing it. I'm going to hey. donate. donate. It's a, it was a $1,000 entry. Uh, but there are some bennies for that thousand dollars. If you finish, uh, if you play all your matches, in other words, you get three hundred dollars stipend for your room. You get a four hundred dollar, basically, or a little bit more membership in the club in Madison. Uh, and then there's uh, Bob Keller himself, the owner of the club, and the promoter uh, is adding twenty thousand dollars for the prize. So it's wow. a big deal. Does he want to uh, buy a podcast? Cake. What's that? Does he want to buy a podcast? It sounds like he has money. Oh, <laughs> you'd have to ask Bob that. <laughs> what are the dates for that, Rob? The dates are the uh, 14th. It's unfortunately it's when the uh, open is out in Atlantic City. So, uh, but the 14th through the 18th. Yeah. Two well, dates it sounds seven. like a yeah. It sounds like a pretty awesome event. Um, I guess other big news, uh, Mike. Why don't you why don't you promote your uh, your new page you just created and what you're going to do with it? Oh yeah, it's just, I'm trying to be more professional like you boys, you know. So <laughs> it's it's called uh, it's called uh, uh, Windows Open. It's just a way of just driving everything to somewhere other than my personal page, which has kind of just been organic over the last few years. I'm excited for it, but it's also 
it's something else to go and keep up with, but I'm, I'm up for the challenge. Um, and yeah, it's just another, another avenue to go and bring pool and information to everyone. Just a bit of a heads up. Dennis is down three to two to Omar on the winner side. Uh, uh, Roland and John are in a battle. Let me see if I can get an update on Tony and Alex for everybody. Yep. And for everybody out there, I just put a link to it in the chat so you can uh, go over there and follow them if you want. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's great, man. I'm excited. So I'm trying to just be, I'm trying to be like Nate. Yeah. yeah but so Who? I'm trying to grow up and be like Nate. <laughs> Never heard of him. Yeah. Sounds like a nobody. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, so we can move on from that. We can start talking about uh, other things happening in the world. Of course, so we have right here, we can see the uh, the cutie Dominic Dunn there. We can. Uh, so we'll, uh, I guess, let's let's move on to the rest of our stuff. Let's talk about the stuff coming up. So we have, uh, of course, the Texas Open is going on right now. That's being streamed by Pool Action TV. That's right, right? Pool Action TV is doing that event. Yeah. Yeah, Pool Action TV. Uh, next week starts the Diamond Las Vegas Open, as well as the Predator Ten Ball and uh, the BCA um, National Event. Uh, I'm going to be out there playing in the BCA National Event. I know that Mike is going to be out there, pl uh, not playing, but he's going to be out there hanging out at the uh, at the booth for Hanshu. Is that where you're going to end up hanging out? Or are you yes, hanging out? I'm going to be all over the place. So we're going to be with with Hanshu. We're going to be with. Uh, uh, Jamie Ingraham and On the Rail Apparel. Uh, and then we're going to be with, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, and then with the Booth Brothers, we'll have a booth also out there. So I'm going to be bouncing all over the place. I'm, I'm just I'm excited, man. It's going to be a great event. I going to do a great job. Our world champion is going to be crowned in the next, you know, two, three weeks. So that's huge news. Uh, and the Diamond event, there's no slouch there. So world players from all over the world are going to be are going to be here. So. Yeah, so if anybody out there is going to be out in Vegas uh, next week, make sure, well, I guess in two weeks, I guess, um, starting next week, uh, look me up, look Mike up, hang out, at, go check out uh, his booth, and uh, buy Mike, well, at least me lots of drinks, because I don't think Mike drinks much, so you can buy me all of Mike's drinks plus my drinks, it'd be awesome, because last time I'll I was in Vegas. I'll take the drinks and then I'll give him the name. <laughs> yeah. You're always looking off me, I appreciate that. Man. So that's what we have to look up uh, forward to. And then, of course, after that, we're going to have the U.S. Open. Um, i got to find out if we're going to do a show from out there. That's going to be tough. How are we going to do a show from out there? Demetrius, you ready to learn how to do some technology? It was just Yeah, just wait wait till the third round so I have time. <laughs> ah, I see what you did there because you'll be out. Ah, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> so now we need to teach Rob how to do technology so that uh, – we can uh, still do a show for next week. I'm going to have to figure out how to get that done. Ah, whatever. You're not going to have a game. computer? Hey, uh, I am. I'm trying to, buddy. You know? I'm not too I'll old. have all my stuff with me, Nate, so we'll figure it out, buddy. Yeah, we'll, we'll be okay. We'll be able to figure it out. So <clears throat> make sure to look us up. I guess uh, other than that, we have – what else do we have to talk about? There's not a whole lot coming up besides that as far as action matches. I'm thinking about doing a boot camp. You're thinking about doing a boot camp, huh? I don't. I don't teach billiards, Rob. No pocket pool, buddy. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you know where to find me. Um, three days. Let's do it. <laughs> that could be a lot of fun. Well, I guess uh, that's really all we have for this week. Uh, it's a, it was a little bit shorter of a week. I mean, we could have spent a little bit more time talking about Shane and Dennis, but Shane and Dennis was kind of a. You know, there wasn't you know, a whole lot to talk about as far as that. Go on, Demetrius. I was just going to say, uh, Alex had asked about a coach's corner. I had I had one thing I could hit that's kind of short. So, if um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to keep Mike if he wants to enjoy the, uh, you know, the uh, atmosphere at the old Texas Open. But uh, if we're done with the show, if you want to give me five, six minutes, I could I could jam on something. Go on. Okay. Well, I'm like 10%, boys, so I'm going to head out. But All right, Mike. I'll try to pop hey, in live whenever I can, man. Yeah, go Good talk to everybody. Tina. Take care, buddy. Have fun. <laughs> Later, boys. All right. Cool. So, I, yeah, so I just wanted to kind of do this for Alex. And uh, something that's kind of been on my mind is um, has to do with kind of maintaining focus. 
And there's uh, something funny. So, so I think what, what is important with focus, I mean, there's a, there's a few times when focus is threatened, where it's very common for people to lose focus. And so there was a specific situation, you know, so how do you keep your focus? We all know that you got to stay focused. But I think part of it is knowing when it's common to lose your focus. So I've come up with a couple spots in 10 ball or nine ball, for example, where it's real easy to lose your focus. And one of them is right when you solve the rack. So like if you have a really tough three, four, five layout, and maybe, you know, you come with a hard one ball, you get on the three ball, you get through the three to the four to the five, and then you get to where once you make the five, that's the last hard shot, you landed good on the six, everything's open, you're like, oh, that's, oh, I did it. And then what happens is it's really, really easy right there to just breathe a deep sigh of relief and immediately play yourself out of line. You know, you just immediately feel like it's all smooth sailing from here. You sh- maybe you make the, maybe you miss the six or maybe you make the six and fall really awkward on the seven. And all of a sudden something that should have been routine, all of a sudden it's like, well, this isn't routine anymore. Yeah. And this happens in eight ball too. When you solve the rack in eight ball, Nate, how many times isn't it amazing in bar table eight ball, how like you can run through the tough part of the rack, have like three balls left, like two balls in the eight ball where it looks like it should just be tap, tap. But once, as soon as you breathe that sigh of relief, you fall on that where all of a sudden you got a little bit more angle and now you got to go to the head rail. It's a little hard to control the speed. And all of a sudden it gets a little, it gets a little funny, you know? And, and so, I don't so know that's if I've a, ever solved a rack before, Demetrius. I'm sorry. Oh, I, man. I saw, it, I saw it last week, Demetrius, on a bar table with a 700 player. He, at $400 yeah. a ball, he gets down to it, the eight ball in 10 ball on a bar table, and mm. he blows shape on the nine. Yeah. He it's made so, all so, great shots before that. So, you know, and of course, some of it could be pressure, right? Pressure leads to like, you know, whatever. You start thinking like, oh, how could something go from wrong from here? And then you start summoning ways for things to go wrong. But just in terms of lack of focus, so one time it comes up is right after you solve a rack. Now, there's another time I thought about where it comes up. And I saw I saw a money match on Sunday night between a couple of local players or a couple of players I got to watch. And one thing that would happen was, you know, there's shots that you kind of feel are important. And then there's shots where you don't feel like they're that important. So, for example, when they had the six ball, and if they can make the six, the seven, eight, nine are all wide open. Versus if they're on the one ball, where even if they make the one ball, there's a lot of work. It's hard to get shaped. There's still some congestion. Maybe maybe the four, seven combo has to be shot. There's a lot of work to do. They don't feel like this is necessarily game ball the same way. And and so and I also uh, I did a video review for one of my students. He emailed me a video. Now this guy is a great player. He shot. He beat the nine ball ghost. Uh, he, he only beat it with a score of seven to four, but it was on a nine foot table. But the way he did it, he was, it was really, really, really clean. One of the, the score line wasn't the best ever, but his play was really good. He was playing great. But the one of the mistakes he made was he missed ball in hand on the one ball. And the reason he missed ball in hand, if you had to ask me, was it was a tough layout. The two to the three was going to be monstrously hard. And even if he got through it, the five, six would have had to been cobbled later. And sometimes I feel like you can be intimidated or bullied by the difficulty of the rack in the future and just kind of like, eh, if I get there, I get there. But I'm not going to work hard to get there because I'm not that excited about it. So I'll just kind of shoot. And if I happen to get there, we'll see if it goes my way. So, so what's my point? I would say that when you solve the rack or when – you have a lot of difficulty that's kind of uh, intimidating. If you're kind of daunted by the difficulty of what lies ahead, those tend to be two situations in which you might lose your focus. And the way the way that I, I guess I look at this is uh, if you know that, it could be helpful. So what, what I find funny is it's almost like if there's a graph where focus is on on the side and time is along the bottom and if you could look at all the games you play and you could graph out your focus you might notice that if you notice that your focus dips right when you solve racks and if your focus dips right when you get a little daunted by what lies ahead then you can study that and just be aware of that and that can give you good information and some people might look at that and say well what is the value of this what did i really say i just said keep your focus keep your focus and so somebody can say, well, I already know that. Keep focused. That's, yeah, of course, keep focused. But it's like, yeah, but I'm not saying just keep focused. I'm giving you a graph as to when players lose their focus. And then by knowing that, 
you can you can try to you can try to be aware that in each situation there's a priority of knowing what dangers lurk and if you can be aware that when you solve a rack or when you're feeling a little intimidated by something around the corner that's a tendency to where you're going to lose focus or or do something that's maybe not very smart like try to force this shot or do too much on this shot cuz whatever and so then what can you do by being aware of that of course you can Put your awareness on making sure that you keep your focus. The other thing is a good mindset. Uh, one thing I really believe in is that I think that uh, a lot of players consider racks pass or fail, meaning if I run out, that's good. If I don't run out, ah, I dogged it. But I look at it more like it's the quality of the performance. So when I get to that six ball or seven ball where I've solved the rack, I'm not thinking, great, I'll just tap a man. If it's sloppy, it doesn't matter. It's like, no. I'm looking at it like I'm an Olympic gymnast trying to put on a performance where I'm still trying to make these this run clean. If it looks easy, let's keep it easy. Let's let's avoid getting flat or on the rail. Let's 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 finish the performance strong. Bow to the judge. Keep the entire thing crisp and clean. And so I'm looking more at quality because if I'm playing high quality pool, even if I dog something here, in the long run, if I'm playing good quality shots, it's going to scale up to a good trajectory for my career. Whereas if I just let up every time I solve the rack and start wobbling balls in and getting flat and hitting recovery shots and just making it tough and ugly, but still got through, like, I can't really consider that a win. I may have run out that one rack, but if I have that attitude, it's that's not going to scale to where I want to go. Well, I agree. So I think, I think that in general, I would just say, I try to maintain a quality mindset rather than one of pass fail. And, and I'm aware that there's a couple times when I'm very liable to lose my focus. And right after I solve the rack is one of them. And if I'm intimidated by what's coming up, I have to really make a plan of what I want to do and commit to getting there. I have to commit to getting there and giving myself the shot of facing that adversity. Otherwise, it's easy to get bullied off it. So those are two times when I'm very – I've seen a lot of players, including myself, lose focus. And by being aware of that, um, instead of just trying to focus all the time, I know that in those situations – I'm going to be tested with with my focus, and I have to really take a deep breath, regroup, and commit to playing high-quality pool to either keep the remainder of the rack easy or get to the hard part of the rack that I'm intimidated by and at least give myself a chance. So those are just two times. Now there's times playing one pocket or playing defense. There's many other times on that graph where focus dips. But I would say be attentive to when you if, – if there's a pattern as to when you lose focus, put that on your radar because as much as we'd like to say always keep your focus – uh, we're humans, and so we have to be aware of trends, and that awareness could go a long way. Do you? Uh, what do you think about? Uh, we mentioned today about playing players that uh, hate to lose, uh, and and you you know by experience that you've played players like that, and 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 they're hard to beat uh, because of that. Uh, when when you go into a match with that kind of attitude of hating. To not focus is like hating to lose. Uh, do you believe that, that that tends to raise your level of, of focus ability throughout the match or the day or whatever? Well, yeah, it's like if, if, you know, my dad was a rock climber and if he was in a survival situation, you don't lose focus, right? Uh, right. Well, but, you know, to be fair, and I've, maybe I've said this before, kind of like what I was just saying about solving the rack, more climbers die on the descent, you know, they get to the top of their climb and then they're hiking down the hill on the backside of the, they're hiking down the hill on the backside. And all of a sudden they stumble and fall. They, they more people die hiking off the trail than they do climbing the mountain because of the focus and, and all that stuff. But, but um, I think that, yeah, you're right. Competitive fire helps keep focus, but there has to be a balance where you have to have a burning desire to want to win and maybe a hatred of losing but not a fear of losing. It's the difference between not liking it versus being horrified that you can't handle it. And that's a different conversation, but it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, fear is not a good thing to have in competition of any type. Yep. (laughs) My life is one big fear of losing. (laughs) Well, that's funny. So, so, you know, and I thought about it too. I'm I'm so afraid of what would have happened if I, wouldn't have been. That's fair. <laughs> so I guess, um, okay. is there anything else that we want to chat about? Well, I think little Chris asked the question twice yeah. and he was asking about 
the I, I can't I don't know how to scroll back through comments. He was asking about Other since games. different players. He was talking about all arounds. I think he was just right. kind of saying like since Shane wins in this format and maybe Dennis wins in that format, would there be value in having these guys compete in some type of all around where they play eight ball, nine ball, you know, ten ball, whatever, you know, some some mix. Um, so he asked the question. Um, what do you think? What do you guys think? Uh, Derby I mean, is a good example of that. Yeah, but it, I mean, they're not uh, a little bit. I mean, I, at the end of the day, I mean, it's a cool thought experiment, but it'll never happen because pool players are nitty, right? So you're never gonna get you're never gonna get Shane to play a one pocket one. He doesn't really like it, although Shane's a great one pocket player. But you'll never get you'll never get um, let's say Tony Choan and. Uh, a tournament like that because he's a specialty player, right? He, he can play great rotation, but he's not looking to play rotation. You're never going to get, you know, somebody like uh, Fedor Gorst in a one pocket or a banks tournament. Right. So, I mean, I, I guess it's a great, it's a great thought experiment, but it's just not realistic to ever make happen, which is a bummer. I mean, it would be kind of cool. Well, Demi, I'll ask you again. Uh, you're a professional pool player, not just instructor. Uh, uh, is, is there a game? Is there a pocket pool game that, you don't like or wouldn't play? You know, I'm not, I'm not crazy about banks. Um, I think it's a good game. It's just one that I never played. And uh, if you look at my approach to pool and what I find interesting about pool, you know, I'm more of a, I like the strategic games and I like games where, you know, every other game is a mix of pattern play and, and safeties and moving as well as offense. And it's all blended together. It's some really interesting decisions. Uh, bank pool. It's so heavily offensive. Um, it's kind of like three cushion in the sense that I'm not saying there's no defense in three cushion, but right. you're, you're, you know, it's really, you've got to, it's all about scoring billiards. And, you, and when you start playing billiards, you might play billiards for three or four years before you really start learning any nuance of speed or defense, because it's really an offensive game. And same thing with banks. Like you can, there's a little bit, obviously there's times when you're just moving. Okay. in bank pool, but, but for the most part, you, it's all about who can bank balls in. And there's not much like Pat, nobody's like, I'm the best. He would be the best banker in the world if it weren't for his pattern play. It's like, no, that's not really, Pattern play is not really a yeah. big part of bank pool. You know, you always shoot the bank. You're going to make it the highest percentage. You know, it's shot making is heavily weighted. Position play a little bit, and then pattern play almost negligible. Um, I, I just it's not my mix of game that I really find interesting because I'm more I like I like the strategic and interesting yeah. puzzle like games. But, but other than bank pool, I like every game. Yeah, a, a good example of that talking about banks was the year Larry Neville uh, kind of finals of the match he was playing and it happened when he started playing defense you're talking about rather than offense. when he when he played boosty yeah yeah, yeah. He was i up. mean he had that so match he was he was, up, he was up two to three killing him two to, to nothing and and he lost the match he was up two he, to zero and had four banks to his five for the win right and, and yeah and and he's you could tell what i, he I did. think he, no he played like one defensive shot and then boosty just turned Boosty went on a tear. I was watching that actually live. He did, but Bo- Larry scratched three times in bank pool on a, on an open bank shot. Yeah, but that was after Boosty started putting the pressure on him. I mean, Boosty Boosty made a great shot to get started, and then uh, I don't think he ran out the game, but I think he ran down to I think he ran out three and then put the pressure on. Him. I think Larry scratched at that point in time, and then the second game is when he started, you know, kind of falling apart, and Boosty just, you know sense weakness and just, you know, put his foot down. So, but, um, I'm at, my headphones actually about to die. And Nate, so. before, before you go, would you, would you put in the chat, would you link my website? I would just like anybody that's interested to go to my website and just check out the training I do, the boot camps I do. Even if you're not, even if you're not thinking about coming out just now, thank you. Just check out my website, see what I offer, because I'd love to hear from a few of you guys. I've got some openings uh, still before the end of the year, and I'd like to get them filled up so I have a full calendar uh, between, you know, the holidays and whatnot. So if anybody of you, if anybody has time off coming up for the end of the year, any time off around the holidays might be a good time to look me up, spend three days on a table, and uh, have a lot of fun and start hitting the balls good. And, Rob, that includes you. We can talk about it too. Okay. Right. All right. Well, uh, with that, we can close out for the day. Uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in and for sharing and supporting and all that good stuff. So thank you guys again. <laughs> See you later. Mike.
Okay, take care. See you, boys. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening. If you've liked what you've heard and you want to contribute to the future content that will be made, consider joining the podcast's Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash up. Becoming a Patreon of the podcast will help to create all of the future content that the podcast will have. Special shout out to Dave Peters, Aaron Taylor, Pete Silsby, Morgan Lupton, Ben Young, Robert Miller, Andy Morse, and Bill Pelham for your generous contributions to the podcast's Patreon. If you ever need any more information on what the Patreon system is or how you can contribute outside of the Patreon, please reach out to the podcast or Nate himself. If you would like to contribute to the podcast for free, consider sharing any podcasts or the podcast page on Facebook itself. Also, leaving a review and a rating if you listen through iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the Cue It Up podcast.